0: All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the the year that was. Dot. 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 We are discussing 1997. I am um, here with my brother Nate. Hello, Archie Mitchell. What's up? And Mark Brew, and I am obviously here, Maxon, and we are discussing the year of 1997. Um, we're just coming out of Cold Day in Hell, which was a pretty good pay per view. So we are discussing the WCW Nitro and the WWF Raw from May. May twelfth, nineteen ninety seven. But before we do that, we'll go ahead and go down our top ten charts. If you guys are ready to do that, unless you got anything to talk about at the top of the show,
1: I don't Don't have anything. I'm good. Let's go. All right. Um,
0: This is a. a, It's not a week to week segment or week to week um, thing that we do on here. It's just something that every once in a while I want to do it. it's the top 10 songs and the top 10 movies of that, that were on the top 10 list, obviously, during this week. Um, the songs are kind of the same. Um, it's, uh, Paula Cole in at number 10 with, um, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Number nine, I Want You by Savage Garden. And if you guys have anything to say about these songs, you can pipe in. Um, number eight, The Freshman by The Verve Pipe. Um, they were a boring band, too. Um, I Belong to You by Rome, For You I Will, Monica, Coolish Games by Jewel, Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison, um, Say You'll Be There by the Spice Girls, Hypnotized by Biggie Smalls and the number one song in America. Oh. Number-
2: what was that? I'm scared. But the number one song
0: in America at this time, Boombop, Bop," still still number one by Hanson. Oom bop. bop. Wow. dop dop.
3: Wasn't it uh Puff Daddy last time we did this?
0: Uh, I can't remember. Uh, maybe. Yeah, but Hanson. I is believe t- it was. Hanson has taken over.
2: Um. <laughs> So, Lord help us. Yes, those were the, the ugliest little girls I've ever seen. <laughs> um,
0: now cool. the top 10 movies uh, number 10, Anaconda, number nine, Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, number eight, Sprung, <clears throat> number seven, Night Falls on Manhattan, number six, Liar Liar, number five, Volcano, number four, Breakdown. Number three, Austin Powers: The Spy Who Shagged Me. Number two, yeah. Father's Day. And then number one is a movie that everybody seems to really love, but I find annoying and I hate. It's The Fifth Element.
1: I love that movie. I hate that. You- I don't know why.
0: I don't know why. And I'm a Bruce Willis fan, but I hate that fucking movie. How could you hate che- Lilo Dallas Multipass?
1: She I don't know. I don't
0: know if Tucker's character in that movie or what, but there's just something about that movie that I cannot fucking stand. Like I'm and like I said, I'm a Bruce Willis fan, but I will watch Hudson Hawk before I watch the fifth element. Hudson Hawk was a bad movie. I like Hudson Hawk. Damn. But anyway, those are our movies and our songs, everybody. Do you guys have anything you gotta say about those? It's kind of the same list
2: that we've had. Might Breakdown, Breakdown was an underrated movie. That was like Kurt Russell and his wife break down in the middle of nowhere, and then this sheriff and his buddies torture her, and he's trying to get her. It was actually a very underrated movie for like 97. Probably the worst
1: movie on that list was Sprung.
2: Right. <laughs>
1: and to answer the question,
3: where have all the cowboys
1: drawn? They went home home on the range. Right.
0: <laughs> Good call, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, it was a lot of the same list of uh, – the list is looking kind of the same. So I think we're going to put a pin in it for a week, and then I'll get back to it and see if it's any yeah. better when we, when we go into uh, – when we come out of Slam – like we got Slambery coming up, I believe, is the next show. So probably after Slambury we'll, we'll hit back into the top ten list. So um, – Usually, like I said, when we come out of a pay per view, we go with whatever show, um, whatever promotion, whatever pay per view we came out of. So we're coming out of the WWF Cold Day in Hell. So we're going to we're going to first talk about WWF Raw as War. Um, it was from uh, Newark, Delaware. Um, the show opens with Vince McMahon um, recapping some of the highlights from. In your house, cold day in hell. Photos courtesy of the WWF magazine. I thought it was funny when they put that because, like, what else would they be courtesy of?
1: Right. PWI, like, especially back then. I mean, nowadays they have courtesy PWI when they do like historical retrospectives yeah, and stuff. Yeah, but just back like then, yeah. There was a point where you didn't even let anybody film. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: photo as shit. I mean, this was a different time, but you know what Photos I mean. Photos courtesy of Harvey Whippleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Pyro goes off and Jim Ross welcomes us to WWF. Uh, Raw is. There. Um, excuse yourself. Um, the entire Heart Foundation. The entire Heart Foundation are out on the ramp. Um, Brett says that he trusts trust the Heart Foundation. To breathe for him and pump his own pump his blood with hit with their hearts. Bret Hart calls the American fans pathetic and bad people. He continues to badmouth Austin and says that Austin got um, what he deserved, like talking about beating him up, beating him down, or whatever, uh, causing him to lose the tight or lose his champ. Yeah, cost him his his victory at rest, at, at Cold Day now. Um Austin. Um, he calls Austin the loser and then switches over to The Undertaker saying he'll be taking the WWF championship now. Brett then says he, um, he has a special announcement and the fans keep chanting at him to like basically go home and shut up. And he decides that if they're going to act that way, he's not going to tell him his big special announcement, his big surprise. And and he rolls away. It's a Literally. Good, it's, a, it's a pretty good Opening segment and Brett being up on the ramp in the wheelchair is one of the best visual things that it's ever been in wrestling. Like he's just looking down on everybody and everything that's going on. Like it's his little perch or his throne or whatever. I like it a lot.
3: Well, the fact that he's Canadian and he's, you know, basically trying to downgrade the American fans, it, it's, pretty compelling stuff
1: that you know it's going to get geek. So you guys got anything else on that? No, nothing I haven't said already on the show about Brett. is a heel. It's amazing.
0: Um, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler then hype the show and the start of the King of the Ring tournament, which Mm -hmm. the first round of the King of the Ring tournament is going to be the first match of the first round of the King of the Ring tournament is going to be Hunter Hurst-Helmsley versus Ahmed Johnson. Um, I can say this and I know I've dogged the guy a lot and everything like that but um, this crowd was totally into Ahmed Johnson like he got like a huge pop people were jacked to see him
2: um, Johnson had the advantage
0: Jesus Christ
2: what are you doing someone just got hit with a frying pan
0: I don't know what that was I'm professional anyway I'm kidding Nate um, just saying we don't do jabroni shit like that on fucking we can't wrestle podcast
1: we do jabroni shit
0: like that on the we can't wrestle podcast every week <laughs>
3: every, every week,
0: week. Ahmed <laughs> Johnson takes advantage um, oh sorry Johnson had the advantage but then China ended up nailing Johnson with a chair. Um, they tried to get away. Um, Johnson caught up with them. The, fish, the officials separated them. Ahmed Johnson ended up winning via disqualification. It wasn't. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. It was just kind of there. And I don't think they wanted Hunter to lose. I don't think they wanted Ahmed to lose either. So they just kind of. Well, I mean, like, glad that it wasn't
3: Ahmed because I don't
0: know if I could take a king Ahmed. Down. Well, I mean, he's advanced in the tournament. It might wind up being him.
2: We don't know. I have I have a question. Did at any point China nail Ahmed Johnson in his Johnson?
0: No, because Ahmed Johnson would not allow that to happen because he, quote, unquote, said, I ain't bumping for no bitch. And they asked ah. him.
1: Yeah, that's what That's, what, that's a fully said." book.
0: Ahmed. That's why they turned him heel and took his push away because he, he wasn't willing to cooperate.
3: She would have hit him so hard
0: she'd have knocked that damn wedgie out of his stick in trunks. Jesus. Right, have been able to understand him. Right?
3: At one point in the match, though, uh, Vince said, Farouk took advantage of, a, of an exhausted Ahmed Johnson. I was like, this essentially the pot called the kettle black. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, so, the, the next thing we got is Vince McMahon has sent to interview Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, who has a crutch with him. Austin comes out. Like I said, he has the crutch with him. McMahon says it was a hell of a match. Um, uh, and Austin says, I'll knock your head off your neck.
3: <laughs> it's like, you had a hell
0: of a match. And he's like, I'll knock your head off your neck. <laughs> I just thought it was like, he wasn't like, I don't want you patronizing me. He just said, I'll knock that shit out of you, basically, which was funny. And then um, he said that he'll eventually become WWF champion. He calls Bret Hart a worthless piece of trash and says that um, he'll, um, the best way to kill a snake, obviously, is to chop its head off. But he's going to go in reverse, and he's going to chop the ass off the snake first. And that is Brian Pillman. And he said, I'll cripple you. And sorry, he said, I crippled you and I carried your stupid ass in the Bush leagues for years. <laughs> so they hinted towards them being a tag team in WCW, got their little knock in on WCW. It all made sense. And um, it was a good little quick promo from Austin that just kind of. Kind of said that, yeah, he wants the championship, but he's more pissed now than he ever was at the Hards. They fucked him, so he's going to put his title
1: aspirations on the back burner because he's got to take care of these guys first. It's too bad that uh, Brian Pillman died because it would have been great to see him as a challenger for Austin in 1998. Agreed. Maybe they could have really done something with those guys. Oh, yeah. Especially going back to because it yeah, at this part Pillman's Pillman's the part of a group, so it's kind of like he's his their story's kind of muddled up with everything else. If they could have at some point like shed everything else away and had just been those two, I think it would have been great. Yeah, and promos like alone you.
2: sorry, guys. cutting Sorry. ahead. I was just gonna say the promos alone would have sold that match.
0: And like I always said, too, like, that's one of my, um, the Austin thing's correct, but one of my, one of my, um, like, man, I wish that would have happened, would have been a few a feud between Shawn Michaels and Brian Pillman. Oh, that like would have been too, yeah. Fantastic. We never got to see it, which is unfortunate. Um, or it's possible that Pillman would have maybe wound up in DX, <laughs> like, Right. Maybe. Right. As soon as,
2: as, soon as uh, uh, Brett left, he might
0: have. I don't see Pillman Bolton in 97 when the Brett stuff happens. I don't see, no. I don't see him. And I think he would have seen that this is where I need to be because these guys get it. You know what I mean? They get what the fuck's going on over here. I, like, I honestly think he had all the intention in the world of going back to WCW with that ECW thing. But then <coughs> saw the NWO you you know what I mean, and was like, this isn't where I'm going to get lost in this fucking fall or you know what I mean, and, yeah. and these guys doing, they're doing something over here, and I'm going to go. like, I don't think he had intention when he went to ECW of breaking his word with Eric, but it just it
2: they happened. left him no choice. They left him no choice after that. So,
0: um, the next thing we get. Is the debut of a superstar? Um, (laughs) Not a superstar yet, Nate. I know you probably didn't watch
2: the show, correct? Correct. You don't know who I'm talking about. I tried to watch the show, but I was told the 18th. I messed up. (laughs) I'm only playing with you. I'm on drugs, man. (laughs) Drugs. He means pain meds. Everybody, right? Um. How horrible! This is where Aaron chose to come out about a drug abuse. I'm on drugs, man. <laughs> i <don't need> a, <laughs> Give me a break.
0: Um, we're going to get the debut of a uh, of a guy here, in the WWF. He didn't have much of a career in the WWF because of some injuries down the line. But um, for some reason, they changed his last name, even though he has a famous father. Um. It is the son of Ivan Pussy, Scott Putsky. So they must uh, have not the want the younger him. pussy. Yeah, they didn't want to call him the young pussy.
3: No wonder Vince chose to bring him out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine if you would have had a young. Like, imagine if you had a stellar career and became like the biggest star in the world and went on to make make action movies and comedy action movies and dramas and this that and other thing. <laughs> I mean, they're gonna shipment NBC yeah. right now called Young Pussy. My <laughs> thing about it, like the whole thing,
3: he really don't. To me, he really doesn't look like his father. He looks like no. Luke Rigno
1: in a wig. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he look, He looks like a caveman attorney from uh, Saturday Night Live.
2: That too. That too. You know, he always reminds me of you know the I'm muscular twins. Remember the muscular twins in the 90s that were always in those stupid movies? I forgot what their names were, though. Oh, um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. That's who you're talking about. Telling
0: me they should have brought him in and called him Scott Meltzer. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Dave Meltzer looks like a Van attorney.
3: Uh, I also put in my notes that his entrance music was the music from his favorite pornographic film?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Young Pussy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was horrible.
0: But it is obviously the debut of Ivan Putsky's son, Scott Putsky. They're showing footage of Scott Putsky, and Jerry Lawler says that um, Ivan Putsky had muscles in places that most people don't. Had muscles in places that most people don't even have. Places, um, Ivan. We're not gonna get too much into him, but he's like the '70s Scott Steiner. And I know it's gonna sound yeah. gonna sound crazy, but it's like you look at like what he looked like in the seven like early '70s or whatever, and then you get into like the late '70s and '80s, and you're like, that's not the same
1: guy. Yeah, he was a big fat guy. Like, yeah, wasn't him,
0: <laughs> but He was like a barrel chested, like, like, um, I, I, like, um like the bruiser, like the bruiser the crusher. The crusher or the crusher or something like that. Beer barrel and or beer belly, drinking, hairy, floppy hat, and then he get into like the late seventies into the eighties, and he's fucking way bigger than what his frame should have supported, and his kid, um was similar because he, he, he was as big as his – he wasn't as muscular as his dad, but he, he was his dad's height, and I think that's – going down the road, he's going to get an injury, and I think that was – I think that has a lot to do with Scott Putzky being more injury prone. It's just you're a little guy
2: like that. You shouldn't be built like that. You know? See, I, like, I liked Scott Putzky in global, though. When he was in GWF, I thought he was fantastic, and then when he got called up – to the WWF it was like okay, I don't know if they wasted him or he just didn't give them anything to believe in because he felt flat. He yeah, I, I just think just, he
0: couldn't he couldn't um He was a, he was a big fish in a small pound in GWF and right, then yeah. he got up in the WWF and it was like you're in shark
1: waters now, buddy. A like, completely right. different story, yeah. <clears throat> ah. Uh oh, go ahead. I put put in my
3: notes that, uh, this for me is the reason that Al Snow snapped and put help me on his forehead and started toting around the head, because if you put Scott Putsky over on me, I'd lose my shit, too.
0: Right. (laughs) But it's like Mark said, he was facing Leaf Cassidy in this match, um... Um, but Scott ends up winning with a belly-to-belly suplex, and that's just... That's his victory, and it, it, was, it was... It was
2: a weird... Al's Aaron, snowed. it was a weird match, because they could have ended the match on, like, three different spots, and they didn't. Yeah, well, it at one awesome. point, when,
3: when they were doing the reversal of an Irish whip, he completely let go of the hand. Right. And then... And then you see... Leaf Cassidy reach out and grab the hand again, like, "Hey, what the fuck are you doing? This is how this is supposed to go."
0: And that's and that's that. At this point, that was Leaf Cassidy's job in the WWF. Right. Like, there's a reason that he's like the guy that people keep debuting it. Like, like if I remember right, we had we had a series of matches with Rock and Leaf Cassidy. You know what I mean? It's like go out if you if you. Get in the ring with Al Snow, and you don't get better, like within three or four months or whatever. Then you gotta go because you're not gonna get right. Any better. Right. right. right.
3: Well, I far. mean, let's be honest. Nobody was knocking down
0: Vince's door saying,
3: "Hey, we want to see more of the new rockers."
0: <laughs> yeah, I understand that, but like I said, that that was Al's job. Was he was on the he was on the fly training these guys. Like yeah, you have your fundamentals, and you were good enough to to get noticed and get here. But now I'm going to teach you how to how to actually work right on the WWF style in the WWF style. Um, But it's like Mark said, um, Leaf ends up getting pinned by Scott Putsky, and then he flips and ends up. It's actually a pretty cool way to attack him. He like just jumps out of nowhere. On to Scott Putsky. Um, Scott Putsky ends up coming back and takes out Cassidy again, and he runs away. Um, I thought it was a decent segment. It wasn't anything. It wasn't. A, it wasn't. I don't
2: how do I say it. it? Wasn't groundbreaking, but it was what it was. Yeah, but it
0: wasn't cringe worthy either. It was
2: just right. The guy on the
0: show. Here's this new character we got. There you go. It's like we debuted this new character, plus we're gonna get Al's or Leaf's little crazy gimmick overload. So um I didn't think it was bad. No. Was it something that maybe should have been on raw? Maybe not, superstars. but it
1: was what it was. Yeah, I'm it
4: was sure they had I'm sure they had
0: bigger I'm
1: sure they had bigger plans for Putski than it wound up having to. I think they did too.
0: Um the next thing we see um, is uh, the nation, LOD comes out, um, the nation of domination then comes out. Verruc is trying to decide what members of the nation of domination are going to face the Legion of Doom. And he decides it's going to be the rappers, JC Ice and Wolfie D. So he sends them down. Um, And I know Archie's going to yell at me or be mad or whatever. But I think, I'll say this all day, PG-13 is one of the underrated, low-key, like, cool
2: tag teams in wrestling, I think. I'm not going to yell, I promise. I'll be nice. You're entitled to your opinion. Maybe I was a little harsh on them. And it wasn't really against the team of PG-13 as much as it was against Jamie Dundee. Because for whatever his father, Bill Dundee was a great wrestler. I don't think that Jamie followed in his father's footsteps. Is my point. Jamie's a basket case, though. Yeah, what's that? Jamie's a basket case. Yeah, exactly. But their their team was cool. Like, like
0: the concept was cool, and sometimes their raps were funny. And being the little chicken shit. Heels yeah, that even know they're not even bad enough to say that we're rated R, we're PG 13. Like, whoa, hold on, hold on. we're not triple X in London, we're, we're PG 13. It's like, I like the gimmick.
3: I, I put in my notes that the decision to put PG 13 in there was solely based on their
2: haircuts. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs>
0: So, the match is going on, um, um, J.C. Ice does some, uh, silly, he, he, he pops up and he does some karate, like, comedy, karate stuff, some, like, some over, um, acting with the karate shit, you know, type stuff, and then Hawk is, like, looking at him and he doesn't, and then Hawk just fucking, he's just, like, just clotheslines him and knocks him on his ass, um, um, JC J.C. Uh, Isons have taken the Doomsday and so does Wolfie D and obviously the winners of the match are the Legion of Doom and it was just a way to show that the Nation of Domination members were afraid of LOD plus showing off LOD's dominance and I don't know if if um, We see PG
1: thirteen after this. I'm not. No, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure this is their swan song because I don't even think they're there when everybody gets fired. Right. I was just about to. They just bring out. They they just bring out. They just bring out a bunch of random, you know, guys in suits to get fired. Right. Nation Uh, members. Yeah. Nation members. But yeah, I think. I think this is it for PG thirteen.
2: Like what a what a way to get thrown out and get thrown out of a company. (laughs) LOD with your (laughs) ass. Yes.
3: Like, you knew it was going to be a squash, but like, I did enjoy the fact that Hawk actually did let them get that power driver in, even though it was a double team one. But like, he actually, you know, at least gave them a, a little something instead of it just completely obliterating.
0: Yeah, which is probably like, you know, hey, the kids are good. Like, the kids are nice or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's kind of a little bit of a moment, but I enjoyed it. It was comedy for the most part, but enjoyable. Which is how you would sum up PG thirteen's career. True. It was comedy, but it was enjoyable, in my opinion. And Jamie Duncan. Followed
3: by comedy too. Yes. Well,
0: yeah. Um what followed it?
3: The reality check
0: commercial. Uh which one was it? I didn't write that down because we had talked about it before. <laughs>
3: No, this is the one where uh, the the woman's in the bed, and she was like, when I got married to Al, I think his name was, he really let himself go. He, he's like smashing up <laughs> yeah, all of cereal. Yeah, and then yeah. he's like, he's, she's like, but now he's just so attractive, and he's, he's in there doing the Shawn Michaels dance, <laughs> coming to the bed. She's like the, beforehand she was like the train hasn't visited the, visited the station in quite some time. Oh Jesus. <laughs> it, she was like it may be his new George, George Clooney haircut
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Oh uh, I about I, I, I had to laugh with a good spot watching that. I forgot to read I didn't that. I didn't know they had that camera in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, the next thing is Mankind comes out and cuts a promo about burning the Undertaker. He says that he tried again um, sorry, he, he says that he, he tried again but hurt Uncle Paul instead calling Undertaker a coward and and then he called Undertaker a coward and he asked everyone to show respect to the disfigured Uncle Paul. Um, then Uncle Paul comes out and it looks like he's got a diaper on his head. Yes. <laughs>
3: Pretty sure that's where they got the inspiration for the Yeti. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then Paul Bearer said the Undertaker ruined everything. And he says he only has one more chance to reunite or he'll spill the beans. About basically the terrible... No spoilers. Package. I'm not going to spoil it, but Undertaker has... A deep, dark secret that he does not want to come out. And Paul Bearer is essentially saying, I know the Undertaker's past, and if the Undertaker does not come back to me, I will tell everybody. He has one more chance. And then him and mankind leave. Um, I think, obviously, when you think of Paul Bearer, you automatically think of his... Um, association with the undertaker and those guys careers are you know synonymous synonymous with each other but mankind and paul bear were fu- they were great together
2: it was a, it was a good pairing i have to say
0: like like william moody did a great job with mankind like there would be times mankind would do some crazy shit and even paul bear was like ugh, <laughs> like this guy's funny. Mm-hmm. like what say shit or whatever Like Paul be behind him, like this guy's fucking weird, you know. But I just I think they were I think they were really good together, like Vader and Vader and Bear. All right, you know. But fucking Mick and William Moody together, fucking
1: great in my opinion. Yeah, two fantastic talents. They understood each other.
3: Paul Bear trying to get the Undertaker back in front of mankind. It's like being with an ugly chick and trying to get back your not so ugly ex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I don't care. If I don't care if they're right here. This is happening. <laughs>
0: but yeah, I really like those guys together. Um. So unless you guys get anything else on that, we'll move on. No, nope, we're good. All right, then the war zone begins. Um, they're hyping that Taker's up next, and the hearts are watching from their locker room. Or Taker's coming up, and he's coming up in this match with um, Savio. It's going to be a non-title match. Um, they um, just announced on commentary, and this is something I kind of miss. And I'm hoping maybe it comes. I'm hoping maybe it comes back because. Um, I know this is a modern product show, but I've been trying to watch. I've been watching the modern product since Hunter took over, and they're slowly getting back to kind of not, obviously not going all the way back to old school shit, but they're starting to do more wrestling, like quote unquote wrestling angles and shit like that. But anyway, um, Farouk is announced on commentary as being the new number one contender. Like it wasn't a match or a fucking angle. Like he beat up the Undertaker, so now he's the number one contender. It was just like the WWF executives have decided that that Farouk's the number one contender. Um, and brings up, and then Farouk brings up that um, there's never been a black man to get a w uh, get a shot at the WWF title because you people don't you people don't think we deserve it. Um, and then he says those days are gone. Um Vince got defensive because Vince, sorry, Vince was interviewing Farouk. Um, Vince got defensive and said, um, but anyway, Vince got defensive about the race thing and then um, Farouk said the white savior, the Undertaker, goes down at King of the Ring 1997. Then the Undertaker comes out and he's going to face Savio Vega in a non-title match. Um, Um, there's I shouldn't say there's not a lot to the match, but it's a non-title match, and it's just a way to get the nation, the Farouk Undertaker mini feud kind of going. A couple notes I have is that Undertaker walking the ropes will never not be impressive to me. Agree. Never. I've seen it a million times, a thousand million times, however you want to say it. Every time I see it, it's like, that dude should not be able to be that. It's insane.
3: Like, the pre match race related stuff, though, like, they knew that that was going to draw heat no matter where they were. Mm mm-hmm. hmm. the world. And what uh, Farouk said was, your white savior, the Undertaker, will be a dead man. Well, no shit. That's the gimmick. Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that made a whole hell of a lot of sense. <laughs>
1: thanks thanks captain obvious. Right. The uh the but- the Undertaker's 97 title reign is kind of a shame because so much other stuff was going on. Plus the Undertaker Paul Bearer thing in the background. Right. His title reign is almost an afterthought in 97.
3: Yeah, Savio I mean? Vega, Savio Vega actually got a lot of offense in that match, and I know me and you are a big marks for Savio Vega, so I was like mm-hmm. happy to see that they could just well, shoot he, all over
0: Savio.
1: He got Vega. he got a lot of offense because uh, Undertaker was a mark for him. Well, and that's what was,
3: that's actually in my
0: notes, guys. It's the Undertaker getting to work with Savio, Farouk, and Crush. At this point, it's like Undertaker's like, I get to work with my boys. You know what I mean? Like right, these are my right. These are my these are my compadres, you know. It'd be it'd only be better if fucking Yoko Zuna was out here. You, you know what I mean? I know Yoko yeah. wasn't around at this time, but but like these are uh, or or Papa Shot like these are takers guys. You know what I mean? Right. And part of me feels that they obviously wanted to do the thing with Peru, but part of me wonders if. Undertaker, the man. Lobby
2: for, lobby, for. The
0: lobby Like I have this belt now, I can do a little bit of lobbying, and I want to. I want to work with him. On, you know,
2: right? If Sean, if Sean can pick to work with Hunter and Diesel and Scott and Brett can pick who he wants to work with, then by God, so am I. Why not? Yeah.
0: So, um, Undertaker ends up getting the Tombstone. On Savio, and then the Nation of Domination attack Faruk whips Webster with a belt, and the winner of the match via disqualification is the Undertaker. So, I thought it was a it was a decent segment, and it's it's taking Farouk's character in the promo and kind of evolving it and giving it a little bit more of a layer and um.
3: It also shows vulnerability, vulnerability on the Undertaker.
0: Yeah, like Undertaker normally wouldn't have been mobbed by people, but he's got like his character has like the pallbearer shit on his mind, you know what I mean? So he's maybe not as aware of his surroundings or, or what, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I, I agree with you. Like this is the first time that the Undertaker's character has something go, somebody doing something to him that has him shaken up and concerned. Right. So I I enjoyed it. Um you guys got anything else on Taker and Savio? Nope. Alright. Um the next thing is uh the next thing. The next match is The tele, the WWF television debut of a man that, um, will go on to become a huge legend of professional wrestling. Um, it's Rob Van Dam. Um, the whole effing show, the whole effing show, Rob Van Dam. Um, but the funniest thing that happens in this, and we'll talk about it. Um, Howard Finkel introduces Rob Van Dam's opponent. Okay. Um, do you guys remember who Rob? Mark watched the show. Archie watched some show that just watched the wrong show. It was, Je- it was Jeff Hardy.
1: Yes. Yep. Um, oh,
0: I don't know Jeff
2: Harvey. It. Jeff, just Harvey.
0: Um, but it's funny because the Fink <laughs> goes. It, the, introducing, and he's quiet for a second, and he just goes, "From Virginia, Jeff Hardy." Like, like, he didn't have, like he didn't have where he was from, so he just pulled Virginia out of his ass. At, at least he didn't go
1: introducing from Poughkeepsie. Yeah, he just said from
0: from Virginia, like he said it in like entire state. Like, he, <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Yep. I like yep.
3: how how they. King called him a John Bond. Every one
0: <laughs> and I'm pretty sure. Well, I know, I know for a fact this isn't Jeff's WWF debut, but I'm pretty. Sh- well, it's not even his Raw debut. I was gonna say this is probably his Raw debut, but he fought Razor on Raw. That just popped into my
1: head. Yeah, him and Matt were wrestling on Raw when they were when they weren't of age because they yeah, lied in like '95. Like <laughs> yeah.
0: But this is is when they're starting to get noticed a little bit, I think. Um, But Jerry Lawler ends up talking shit about... like Jerry Lawler comes out and he's saying that um, ECW sucks, basically. And the only thing good about it is RVD. And he says that um, he's now stole RVD away from ECW... RVD says that um, ECW and their fans are a bunch of low class deadbeats, um, and then ends up getting dubbed Mister Monday Night. Um, and then him and Rob, or Jeff and Rob, end up having a, a little decent match. And RVD and
3: Jeff the fuck out. Yeah, like that's in my notes. Like basically, RVD got all his moves in and drew some heat, and and Jeff. Didn't
0: get you. But Jeff did his fucking job Like that's what he's There to do you know what I mean Right That's what I'm saying like this was effective I, I enjoyed it It got Rob over um, It got Jeff on TV It got Lawler to be able to do his ECW Stuff and um, RBD Ends up hitting the split legged moonsault He's not using the five star frog splash As a finisher yet but he has the split-legged moonsault and gets the one, two, three. So, it's a precursor to very much later down the line of two guys that are eventually going to work together a lot and do very, very good Good things. Good shit, pal. Good shit, pal. So, I liked it. And plus, in 1997... Um, anything anybody our age in our age range could get that was ECW were like, hell yeah, I think this is good shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Man, I'm
2: yeah, when oh, good. When, when this started, the, the whole WWE, WWF, ECW feud, I wasn't getting ECW in my area, so it was actually telling me who the champions were who was, you know, the biggest guys were on the roster because they kept popping up in WWE. So it was, it was definitely welcome.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, like I said, I enjoyed this. It did everything it was supposed to do. And that's basically what you want out of a wrestling segment. Did we hit it on everything? Did we hit everything that we needed to hit. Yes, we did. Did everybody do their job correctly? Yes, they did. Nothing wrong with it. I really enjoyed it. And there's no way that Rob Van Damme as a character, can appear on WWF um, with Jerry Lawler and not go back to the ECW arena and have tons of heat.
2: Oh, he did, yeah.
0: Like, if he would have just been on there and had a match, like, the ECW people, the ECW fans would have like, oh, that's cool, Rob was on there. It's like, wait, he's on there, he's a fucking baller? Fuck this guy. You know what I mean? Like, I know ECW fans knew it was fake, but... That was the best. Yeah, but at to the
2: time, over. at the time, Lawler was the ultimate ECW antagonist. Yeah. You know, he was showing up on pay per view. He was beating up Tommy, so it was starting to piss people off. So for Van Dam to do that, yeah, it was the perfect thing for them to do for Van Damme to get over in WWE and get some heat in ECW, right? And
0: and and that ultimately too is what I was going to say was
2: it might have not meant much to the
0: people in that building, but that was also Vince. Giving Paul something, you know what I mean? Right, right. It's kind of like, kind of like when we—we we won't talk about it. it. It was kind of like when Vince did that thing with Lawler on the king, on the King's Court in like '93 or '92 or whatever it was, where he's kind of a heel to Lawler, so Lawler could take that footage back to Memphis, and yeah, it was a, it was it was a cool little segment. Like I said, it was an example of Vince not always being. Like selfish, Selfish. whatever. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, The next thing is part two of the story of Gold Dust. And like I said, I don't, I personally think these sit down interviews with Dustin and Marlena were boring and. really didn't do anything for me. It made a, it made Dustin's character even... It made his character lame. He's crying. He's a crying, whining bitch. I was I crying because I had to watch it. My daddy was mean to me. My daddy was mean to me. It's like, oh, shut up. You're a grown man now. Did he hit you? Did he abuse you physically? No. He got mad at you in a fucking... Uh, goddamn Chili's parking lot, and drove away. Just shut up and eat it. You just stop. Have you seen your wife? What are you complaining about? Like, <laughs> you're banging like a chick that looks like a fucking supermodel. Just shut the fuck you up. You see
3: the way she smoked that cigar? <laughs> That's
0: what I'm saying. Like,
3: <laughs> like
0: shut the fuck up, Dustin. So I just like I said I don't I don't think this did that character any
2: favors. No, yeah, it didn't do anything. Not one bit.
1: Now talk to me in what is this May?
2: The talk second. to yeah.
1: me. Talk, talk talk to me. Yeah, as I was gonna say, talk to me in six months. Because well, I... the the second round that they do after Brian Pillman dies. Is a whole a new story. We won't really dig into it now. We'll dig into it then. But yeah, it's it takes it's a whole different it's a whole different animal. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But like the whole premise of this was like him him trying
1: to say, you know, he
3: wanted to get out of the shadow of Dusty. But they constantly remind you that he's the son of Dusty Rhodes. Right. It's
1: counterproductive.
3: Right.
0: I I didn't enjoy it. And I don't I think that's why they didn't go too much further with it. Um, um, now we're going to take a minute and and tell you guys that the year that was is sponsored by Casual GTX and Super Soaker. So that's exciting,
3: right? Wetter is better.
0: wetter is better. And we're going to get there a little bit. And there is no way. I don't want to spoil it, but there is no way that the person they chose for those commercials was by accident. They saw that. Isn't it. Oh. Isn't it sunny? didn't say...
2: So. Archie doesn't understand... Get there. <laughs> Archie doesn't want to understand what a no-spoiler is. I love spoiling things. <laughs> I don't wait for Christmas to open my gifts. Says the guy God, who him. eats
3: pizza with no cheese.
2: Hey, that was I told you that in confidence. <laughs> in front of Nate. Sorry,
3: that was a spoiler.
0: Archie just jerked it. But yes, it's it's Sunny. Sunny is going you to could be. Have just the.
2: said it's not.
0: It's okay. It's okay. But yes, Sunny is going to be the super sober sales lady. And the tagline is, wetter is better. There's no way that was a fucking accident. Now, no. I heard
2: she also said that to Bulldog before she left him for Shawn Michaels. But I mean, that's just me. Um. Said <laughs> that to
0: a lot of people. Um, and <laughs> animals, too? Um. Then I didn't write a lot about a lot about down about the promo because it was pretty quick. But Undertaker addresses Paul Bearer, asking Paul to not not tell the secret and give him more time. And then he also addresses Peruk. Um, but he doesn't. He's not. He's not super talkative in this interview because he's just basically frustrated and doesn't really even want to be being interviewed. Um, he got the point across, it
3: was it was definitely uh
0: that was definitely
3: productive.
0: Yeah, they fuck that. That's right. They did fuck up the promo too. Like you didn't hear a lot of it in the first time. You can tell that taker was frustrated about that too. Like. Is the, the first like they attempt like it's like Mark said they, they attempted to interview him and there was like no audio to it. So it they, they just kind of fucked it up. Um so then the next thing is the headbangers versus Philip LaFon and Doug Ferris versus the new blackjacks versus Owen and Bulldog. Um and there is a question that I have in this and you guys can tell me if I'm completely wrong, but the time that um, Barry Windham and JBL were together, I know it's not on the same level, but were they kind of like the faces of fear of the WWF?
2: Mm, I don't think so.
0: It's like these two big ass Kickers, you're not gonna put the belts on them, but they look impressive. They look dangerous. They they, they look like they can fuck you up. You know what I mean? In my opinion,
3: I, I'll Maybe. say this. My impression of them was they were the not so charismatic smoking guns. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my
1: impression. Um, even, though, even though, even though I know they at one point they had a title reign, I would actually say uh, uh, Bradshaw and Farouk were more like the faces of fear than Bradshaw and Wyndham. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I can see that. But I'm just saying, like at this time. I mean, I like, see, I uh, see what you're. I see, yeah, I,
1: I see where you're going with it, but
0: like these guys can lose, but they're it's not going to take. It's not going to take the credibility of them being ass kickers away. You know what I mean? Right. Like I think, honestly, they would have had a better tag team run if you wouldn't have put the new Black Jacks on it. I agree. If it would have just been John Hawk Bradshaw and Barry Wyndham, or Justin Hawk, Uh, yeah, John John, uh, yeah, Justin Hawk, Justin Hawk Bradshaw and the stalker. Stalker. Yeah. And the, well, not the stock. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but you know, what I mean? like anytime you put new on the front of something, it's not gonna. Yeah, it's not it gonna was, it, not gonna was work. it was doomed.
2: Was doomed before it began with that new logo.
0: But there was a team. Well, I had a
2: problem with it. that match. Uh,
3: yeah, because at one point the whole. Owen oh, had his foot on the ropes thing. Well, that ref should have never slapped the mat that third time.
0: It might have been a miscue or something like that. Like legit, he he
3: legit counted the three count, but then he stands up and then they're pointing at his foot like it's on the rope, and but you know he still did the three count, but they were like, no, 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 no. no. Like they they didn't ring the bell or nothing, but my thing is, is if it's going to be, he's got his foot on the rope, hit it twice, and then and then you know he's got his foot on the rope, get off of him. Yeah, just that I, I really didn't like that aspect of it because it was like the
0: ref box. Uh, the 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 blackjacks they eliminate furnace and Lafon. Um, the headbangers end up eliminating the blackjacks with assistance from Furnace uh, with Furnace and the So They're setting up a feud between the blackjacks and the and Furnace, and then um, Owen Hart and the Bulldog end up winning when Bulldog gets the power slam on Grasher. It was a good that-
1: showing
0: for the headbangers.
3: Like, you could start taking them serious, but, like, you seem like, all right, well, these kids got something.
0: So, it it wasn't bad, and it was... I enjoyed it. Um, The next thing is... um, So, after the Bulldog... um, Owen went in the Fatal 4-Way match. Um, Bret Hart um, comes out. He asks everybody to shut up, and he says that he wants to address... like he, he, he cuts some anti-American stuff or whatever. Then he sends the Hart Foundation away because he says he doesn't need them. Um, he wants to do this on his own, and we're going to roll in. Yes. So we're going to roll into this promo, and I... Want you guys to bear with me because it's long, but it's really fucking good. It's one of the best things I've ever seen anybody do on wrestling television in my life. So yeah, I got yeah. a synopsis
3: of it too. If
0: uh, you, get if you don't money.
3: want to do the long ass
0: promo, so you guys ready to bear with me on it? Go for it. All right, so here we go.
4: Fighting him, he's in a wheelchair. I don't know what he wants. Right, he's going to get his win. So
3: it sounds alright. The
4: ovation for the heartbreak kids. I don't think there's ever been a rivalry on that thing talked about as much worldwide as this issue between Bret Hart and Sean Michaels. I'm just a I make them hot. I Cut the music! It's hurting my ears. Shawn Michaels, the boy toy. You know, there was a time when I just couldn't stand you. But now when I look at you, I realize that I hate your guts. Ooh. The reason that I hate your guts, to list all the reasons why I can't stand you and you make me sick, the biggest reason is, uh oh. go ahead, take your jacket off, make yourself at home. It symbolizes something, you've taken your jacket off, it's like you're hot, you're cold, you're hot, you're cold. That's the story of your whole career. One minute you're hot and the next you're not. You know what bugs me about you is that it finally dawned on me. It's the way you dance around. You have this attitude, this arrogance, this cockiness. And it finally hit me. That's what you Americans all symbolize. You think you're better than everybody else. You think you can cough this attitude and and look down at the rest of the world like you're better than us. Well, it's not true. It's not true at all. Because you're rotten through and through all the way through to your insides. Just like America craving your blood and guts and all your your violence and crime on the streets, you love it. You love it all. And you hate it when somebody tells you the truth. And you hate it when somebody tells you the truth. Talk about rotting from the inside. It's just like ancient Rome. America, this great great country that should be leading us into the the 21st century. But instead, you're rotting from the inside, just like ancient Rome, and you're going to destroy yourself because you're, you're being controlled and run by scum. Scum like this right here. You know, Shawn Michaels boy toy. You ripped me off for of the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt at WrestleMania 12. In a 60-minute Iron Man match. You screwed me out of that title, and you know it. All you people stood by and let it go. You did nothing about it. So when I decided to come back, instead of facing me like a man, you didn't have the guts to face me like a man. Instead, you were too busy posing for girly magazines. Dancing around, kissing all the girls. (laughs) Putting tattoos on yourself and earrings through your your navel and your nose and your ears. Shaking your ass and making yourself a horse's ass. A self-professed degenerate. That's what you are. A self-professed degenerate. talk about role models at the World Wrestling Federation took that World Wrestling Federation Championship belt in a reign of decadence you know Shawn Michaels the biggest thing that bothers me about you is that you didn't have the guts to face me this year at Wrestlemania you didn't have the guts to face me one on one Go ahead and talk about all the things. You talk about my mother and my family and how I signed for more money than any other wrestler in the history of the World Wrestling Federation and how I'm controlled by the almighty dollar. Who isn't controlled by the almighty dollar? That's a bunch of BS and you know it. The million dollar question. That's what Vince McMahon said to you last week. The million dollar question. That's all it was is a million dollars. Well, Shawn Michaels, it shouldn't concern you what I get paid. And it shouldn't concern you whether I got my mother and my father and the rest of my family in the front row. And it shouldn't concern you anything that I do. What should concern you is whether you really believe deep down in your guts, in your heart, whether you're actually as good as me. You pathetic, sick, violent people know...
0: Ladies and gentlemen, keep our cameras rolling! That this piece of crap right here was... right, now with the WWE, or what, it's not even the WWE anymore, but what Peacock does is they show you what happened after Jim Ross says that they're going to keep the cameras rolling... And I don't wanna talk and I mean you guys can if you want, but I don't really want to talk about that on this because I'm trying to do what was broadcast. You know what I mean? Yeah,
4: you
1: you don't want to talk about that until next time. So, the so so two things thing we didn't
3: do a synopsis of it because that had that in it. Because it was be
1: the two the two things I will say about uh, about that is first of all, wow Bret Hart was a prophet. The United States rotting from the inside and falling apart. Go figure. Look where we're at now. Oh, but I anyway, going to say about Sean being a degenerate. <laughs> also, <laughs> you
3: notice when he said that, I was like, "Are you ready?" I couldn't help myself. That would have <laughs> been like the most awesome fucking uh, thing of all time if when he said that, that music hit, and then here comes Sean Michaels' group of lackeys and starts the feud between him and the, them and the Art Foundation. <laughs> that would have been good shit, pal.
1: Also, for the uh, younger fans that um, don't know this, how crazy is it that that wasn't written for that man? Yeah, I'm just that, saying.
2: That was Brett. Brett. Didn't, need, Brett didn't need anything written for him, but that, that well, was a good pure pro, hatred. A good, a,
1: good, a good pro wrestler doesn't need anything written
0: for them, that's right. my point. That was Bret Hart saying what he felt. Doing it, and that's the crazy thing about Brett and Sean is they fucking hated each other, and were unprofessional with each other, like off camera and shit. Because Brett has as much unprofessional shit that he did as as he can say that Sean did. You know what I mean? But when the when the camera was on, they worked. You know what I'm saying?
2: Like Yeah, but they worked they worked from real life. You know, that was real yeah, they, big, big out there. So it was it was easy they, for them.
0: It was, but they also understood that we're making money together too, though. Like Sean has said it that and Brett said it too, like like we're gonna get there eventually, but like when they got to Survivor mm-hmm. series and that whole match until the end of it, neither one of them, like that whole fight they had through the building or whatever or any matches they had with each other, neither one of them fucking attempted to hurt the other one or nope. be a professional in it. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Oh but yeah, there there's a lot to unpack in what Brett was saying, and I'll let you guys talk about it. But I think this was Brett finally getting to. Basically, like I said, unload on what he thought about Shawn Michaels, and he claims that he didn't um, hear his cue, and that's why he kept going on in the show. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what that's what that's what Brett says. He didn't he didn't catch his cue to stop, and that's why they ended up going off the air. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's being truthful in that, but that's what he's saying. No, he's He's not. not. He totally
1: cut Sean's throat and he cut a promo. And what he did differently than Sean in a lot of instances was Brett would cut a promo, taking the digs, bringing the real stuff into it, but it still sounded like a wrestling promo. At times, Sean sounded like. Sean sounded. It's funny because Brett cut the better wrestling promo, but Sean sounded more real in most instances, because Sean didn't have the couth that Brett had to kind of work this uh, lid, I, would, I don't know what to say. Um, Brett wanted still kind of a layer of kayfabe to it, whereas Sean was just balls out, you know.
2: Yeah. And uh, both of them swear in shoot interviews that their problems with each other always stem from, they would, make, they would make up like backstage but then whenever they would get face-to-face in the ring or have to cut a promo on each other, one would say something totally out of line and it would piss the other one off. And that's why they'd go back to feuding in the backstage area. So I guess I could see it because neither guy held back when they were delivering a promo. You know, so, oh, you you, you called me of this. You said I was that. You did that. Of course I'm going to be pissed when you get backstage because you didn't cover it. Well, cover it with me first. You know, we didn't talk about that. My whole thing was like, he he really dropped that he posed
3: in Playgirl. He was like, posing in girly (laughs) magazine. Like, that didn't do nothing but pop the (laughs) female.
0: And I do, I did laugh when he said it. I laughed the first time. Well, I've laughed every time I've watched that promo of Bret Hart being like, out here, Shaking your ass. Like, I don't know why that always makes me laugh. He's like out here, your jacket
2: because you're hot and you're cold and you're like, damn, he's Katy Perry.
0: <laughs> but I think that is one of the best um, promos ever cut in wrestling, and it's also cool. It's cool that Brett is in the chair and and I know he had to be in the wheelchair but for some reason it's even cooler as a visual that he's looking up at Sean yelling at him you know what I mean and Sean's like looking down on him it's kind of like it it's it's I don't know if this makes sense or whatever but it's kind of like a cool visual you know what I mean like Brett is is. like I'm at my most vulnerable right now I don't. I don't even care about that I'm in my most vulnerable state right now. I'm going to tell you exactly what I fucking think. And Sean is just letting him go. And like, all right, all right, all right. And then next week, we're going to see what you didn't see this week of the outcome of it. But I just... It, it's one of my favorite things that's ever been on Raw. And that's why I wanted to play it. And like I said, it was a lot to like... It was too much... I'm too great to like write down and have my boring voice dictating it to you guys. So I really enjoyed it, and it's something that even as a kid I was like um, fascinated by.
3: <laughs>
0: Nothing else. Brett and
3: <laughs> Sean is is always gonna be that that heater of. Rivalry, like there was real life tension there, and they kind of spilled out into what they were doing.
0: So that was how Raw went off the air with Brett berating um, Shawn Michaels, and um, I think that was a good Raw. Um, like I said, it was the ending was kind of either whether it was on purpose or not, flubbed, but the end. In my opinion, was really good, and I didn't think that this raw was. I wouldn't say that this raw was the most um, memorable raw, other than the Bret Hart thing. But I don't think it was. Um, I wasn't mad after I watched it. You know, what I mean, I feel like I wasted an hour and a half of my life. I enjoyed it.
2: No, I enjoyed it too, especially coming off of pay per view. They actually got a lot in, leading into the new number one contender, Sean and Brett starting their feud. Austin still pissed off about what happened. You know, it it really – they hit all the marks on the big things.
0: All right, everybody that's listening, all six of you, um, I appreciate it. But we are now going to roll into – it's probably more than six. Nate told me I'm not the curtain jerker. He told me his show was. It might not be anymore. I don't know this show comes out more um, uh, consistently than mine does. It takes Might time be to- after the Chad Austin fucking episode of Mine ears. Oh, I'm gonna listen to that. Probably in the <laughs> it's out it's out now. it's out right now. Know, Go I'm gonna listen to it in the car on the way on the way to work and the way back. Um, but um, <sighs> And that's one thing I do want to say, guys. Is that I apologize that my show doesn't come out um, as quickly as everybody else does, but you, you, you can't um, rush perfection. Like you gotta plus you gotta plus yours. Wait
1: for me to do it. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I like this group. I want this. Is this a four man, a four man booth? He needs the four horsemen. That's right. I like consistency. Consistency over quantity. What I strive for on the year that was dot, dot, dot. Um, but we're rolling into the WCW Monday Nitro um, from May 12, 1997. Um, we're rolling into Slamboree, which is going to be this weekend. We're in Baltimore, Maryland. So I'm wondering if... Uh, if a middle-aged Chad Austin was in the crowd, possibly. <laughs> Definitely.
2: Uh, oh, without a doubt. Um,
0: Michael Buffer ends up opening the show with the Let's Get Ready to Rumble. The Macho Man comes out with Liz. and says that he's healed now and beat DDP um, so bad that he's now on crutches and challenges DDP to fight him later. Um, the funny thing about this is this angle between DDP and Macho Man is really good, okay? But it lasted so much longer than what it should have because Savage got hurt. When they were getting into it legitimately, and then when Savage got better. DDP legitimately got hurt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, that, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, I really feel like at the last pay-per-view, they wanted to, like, shoot their shot with it. And then in Slamboree, it was supposed to happen. And I never want anybody to get hurt or anything. But these guys getting their injuries made it even better. if right. that makes. sense? Like, well, I like if, the
3: way that Macho was like, I'm healed. Like, it, it miraculously happened. Like, he didn't know. Yeah, I feel better. It's good to go.
0: But I feel that these injuries, like, forced, that, forced Eric Bischoff and Kevin Sullivan to do long-term booking with this thing. I and mean, that's why I think once they finally get to their match – their one-on-one match, it was even better than what it would have been. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then the other note I have is that um, Miss Elizabeth was always an attractive and beautiful person, but she was like a fucking bottle of wine. In my opinion, like she was like the chick that got better looking the older she got. And I know she only she left us at like fucking 42 years old. But but do you get what I'm saying? Like, like at this point, 38 year old Liz is better looking than 22 year old Liz in the WWF.
2: I always say that, Aaron, whenever like me and a buddy talk about Miss Elizabeth or whatever. She was gorgeous in WWE. But for some reason, when she got the WCW, it was like, damn, Liz got even better looking. Yeah.
0: So, and, and like I said, she was always, she was always attractive, always beautiful. Did her job perfectly, but good Lord. And <laughs> um, I'm not trying to sound like a herb or anything, but that's just what I'm trying to say. Um, then um, Sting apparently wants to speak one-on-one with Eric Bischoff later tonight, um, and he won't speak to anybody but Eric Bischoff. Um, so unless you guys have anything about the opening with Buffer, let's get ready to r- r- rumble. Coming out, I wanted to speak to Eric Bischoff. You guys got anything on any of that?
3: Nope. I probably wouldn't have said that whole let's get ready to rumble thing.
2: Don't yeah, have, I have – I have two things that I need to I need to say here. One, every time you say let's get ready to rumble, we owe him a hundred dollars. And two, <laughs> Sting wasn't really speaking at this time. So him speaking to Eric Bischoff one on one was a dead giveaway, he was looking to beat with Bischoff's ass. Yes. <laughs> it's like
1: there's there's been a meeting called between you and
2: the mime. Right. <laughs> I wonder what's gonna happen there. I, I'm in a box. What? He won't come out of his inbox.
1: In a nutshell,
0: okay. um, the opening match is Juventud Guerrera versus Ultimo Dragon for the TV championship. Um, we William Re- or he's not William Regal, uh, Lord he's not Lord either. Fuck. Um, Stephen Regal cuts a promo about being the best. Uh, it's like a corner promo. Like he's not out in the arena. He's cutting a promo backstage pre-tape. Cuts a promo about being the best wrestler in the world, and he's going back to his roots. And he's no longer going to be Regal esque with his um, manners and all that. He's going back to when he was in this in the snake pit and. Um, fighting in the in, in 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 the tar pits of India and all this shit. Basically, William Re- Stephen Regal saying I'm going to be a badass again, and he wants to yeah. fight. He wants I'm to not
3: fight. His exact words was, "I'm stepping away from nobility and I'm going back to my dirty scoundrel self."
0: Yeah, which is fucking awesome, and he wants to fight Ultimo Dragon at Slam And get his TV title back. Um, And as he's gotten that promo. The match is going on. And Ultimo Dragon ends up beating. Juventud Guerrero. With the Dragon sleep. It was. It it was a. Basic TV match between these two guys. And was a way of. um, Getting the new persona of Regal over. And getting towards Ultimo Dragon versus William Regal at Slambury. Did they put their best foot forward on this one? Like, legit, this was
3: the best, best match on the card, in my opinion. It was smash-mouth, fast paced, and hard-hitting. Soniano getting involved was a nice touch, and the Ultimo Dragon, he was he was a oh,
0: So I, had, I like, I, like I said, I had nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with this opening match. Nate, you got anything?
4: Nope. Um,
0: Archie sounds like he's got a run-in going on. Yeah, he's got a mute. <laughs> I, I do have a run-in. I'm gonna, meet, I'll be, I'll be right back. Okay, cool. All right. Um, um, mean Gene Okerlund introduces Roddy Piper, Kevin Green, and Ric Flair. Um, Green says um, he's got to pay his taxes. You're gonna. I don't know what I wrote down here. Kevin Kevin Green says that um 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 uh, Mongo's got to pay his taxes. You're gonna die. That's what he says. He so says you're gonna die. At, um, he says that's like that's the three
3: things you can bet on.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, that's what it was. There's two things you can bet on: you got to pay your taxes, and at Slamboree, Mongo, you're gonna die, or not, Mongo, the NWO, you're gonna die, Um, and that he's gonna break his uh, foot off in your ass. Promo on the NWO, and then Roddy Piper says that he's a starving T-Rex and then does a dinosaur impersonation.
1: Never know what Roddy you're going to get.
3: <laughs>
1: it and was it was pretty fucking gold though. That, this was pretty
0: rough in my opinion. It's like these are this is the angle like when they go into the match and we're going to get there is really good. But but to me this was like uh, this thing's reaching its end. <clears throat> Get out of it, promo wise.
1: Uh, the one thing I'll say is I, I and, and and then it, it's I, I look back on this and if I would watch this now or when I have watched it, you know, recently or whatever, the one of the big things I say all the time is at the time and probably just because at the time and Aaron knows I was much more a WWF guy than a WCW guy. At the time, I was just like, meh, about the Kevin Green thing. Go, when you go back and watch it retrospectively, he was actually really good. Oh, he yeah, was. I mean, like, I said, like I said, I'm not trying
0: to knock him or anything, but I just think and, – and, like, part of me is glad that the Slamboree pay-per-view is coming up because the, if this would have went two more weeks, it would have overstayed its welcome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
3: But in the promo he hit he hit his little bullet points. He got out the way, let Flair get on the mic, let fucking Piper get on the mic, and then you know, it transitions into what we're gonna find out next, because I'm pretty sure that's your next point on it.
0: So then the NWO or the NWO members, Kevin Nash, um Sixpack and Scott Hall appear on the screen. Um, They basically tell Piper to eat their dicks, and um, Pac says that Ric Flair is an old lady. Ric Flair's old.
3: uh, He doesn't
0: say (laughs) Ric Flair's an old lady. He says says his old lady. His old lady is basically blowing him. So X Pac is basically fucking Beth Flair at this point, is what he's claiming, and then. Kevin Nash says that they have one more um, stipulation they're putting into the match. That it is no, not only do they get seventy-five percent of the gate, but it is now no DQ or count out. And they also claim that they That's are not
3: balls count anywhere.
0: Yes, and they claim that they are not in Baltimore. They are in um, in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. Hence
3: why Flair's old lady was leaving his hotel room while Flair was going to work. Yeah.
0: So it was, and like I said, it was like a black and white NWO promo. It was was decent. But like I said, this thing is I'm, I'm super glad that it's I'm not super glad that it's ending because I didn't enjoy it. I'm super glad it's ending because it's about to, if, like I said, if it would have been a yeah, it would have it would have been like Sean Waltman with Beth Flair with a climax <laughs> all over the place <laughs> with a sticky finish,
3: a Reese's
0: peak. <laughs> so, unless you guys got anything on that, we'll move on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nope. Now we roll into – I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for one of the guys in this match. It is um, Dean Malenko versus Mongo McMichael. Um, And Mongo is um, accompanied by Deborah and Jeff Jarrett. And I gotta say this, Dean Malenko is a credit to his business because he got a decent. And I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking Steve McMichael, but Dean Malenko got a passable match at a Mago McMichael, and that shouldn't be discounted, right? (laughs) um i don't i don't think he gets the credit that he deserves in the business and I, I he gets the credit that he deserves within the business of the wrestlers and and true wrestling fans, but I don't think he gets talked about enough as being as fucking good as he was.
1: the carpenters never do
0: and, and Dean was. Dean was a step above all of them, in my opinion. I mean, it's
3: it's always like uh, the people who actually erected the frame on the house gets uh, the credit, and nobody who poured the foundation is even mentioned.
0: Uh, so Dean has to go in this match with Mongo. He makes chicken salad and a chicken shit. Um, <laughs> um, Jerry ends up. Tripping up the referee, um, Mongo—it's it, it, a big clusterfuck. The referee gets bumped, and then um, Reggie White runs out and he's blown up, just running to the ring, and he hit—he he hits um, Mongo with the briefcase, and Dean Malenko ends up rolling up Mongo and getting the victory.
3: I put that the Reggie White run-in looked like he was trying not to shit his pants. (laughs) Just the way he runs to the ring. It really looks like he's like, I got bad diarrhea, I ate a Taco Bell on the way down (laughs) here.
0: Diarrhea, cha-cha-cha, diarrhea, cha-cha-cha. It's probably that he was trying to not look like he shit his pants. Like he probably (laughs)
3: But Malenko pulling off the upset to me was kinda of perfect because then it plants that doubt that White could actually pull off the victory against Mongo.
0: So I'm I'm ready for this I'm ready for this Mongo Reggie White shit to be over with. Um it's the so it's the yin to the yang of what Nate was saying about Kevin Green. Like Reggie White wasn't wasn't any good, in my opinion.
3: His promo actually wasn't that bad to me, and I like how they brought in the football rivalry aspect of it all. But like, you're not gonna expect this gonna be like five five star classic shit.
1: But I mean, it for what it was, it, it was all right. To me. There are there are wrestling wrestling celebrities, uh, and I'll say this. Because honestly, my two, and I don't don't want to get in the weeds, but my two favorite, my two favorite wrestling celebrities, or I guess other guys from other sports or, or personalities or celebrities that came into wrestling, my two favorite, I could name three, but I'll just go with two just for the sake of shortening this conversation, um... My two favorites are Tyson and Pat McAfee. All right. Yep. And, and, and I would put Kevin Green in the class of a Tyson or Pat McAfee where I would put, and this is no res- disrespect to him, but I would put Reggie White more in the, the, the perspective of like a, a snookie. He's just there to get to get the paycheck. You know what I mean? Whereas, right. whereas, a Kevin Green or a Mike Tyson or a Pat McAfee, you can tell they're passionate about it, and they 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 really want to be there, and they want to put in their put in the work, and you know what I right, mean. They're
3: actual fans of
1: the they progress. care, yes, right.
3: Pat, yeah, McAfee. yes. I just
1: compared wrestling Reggie White to Snooky. I'm sorry, everybody, but, I didn't. but uh, <laughs>
0: Pat McAfee to me isn't even a wrestling celebrity, or isn't even well, a no, celebrity. No, no, no. Not not
1: anymore. Not anymore. Not
0: anymore. McAfee, no, that's Mc, the, McAfee's in wrestling now, in
1: my opinion. Yeah, and he's one of the best yeah, things man. about it.
0: Right. He, was, he
3: But he was legitimately, like like Nate said, though, he is a celebrity because he comes from that world as a punter for the Colts, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I get what Nate's saying, but I think McAfee's so fucking good. Yeah, he has tra- he has
1: transitioned into being a wrestler. Like, I don't even
0: think of like I don't even think of oh look at this football guy in wrestling. I just think of this, like this guy's in fucking wrestling. Like, he's he's a guy. He's one of the boys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In my opinion, McAfee's great.
1: Um, you know what the best thing about maximum male models is. Pat McAfee, he makes it entertaining by commentating about it. Yeah, he, he puts that shit over. Like he woman. does. <laughs> he fucking sells it, even though it's complete fucking garbage. He sells the shit out. Of He's like maximum male models. I love that guy. Anyway, go ahead. We're talking about '97
0: right now. <laughs> I don't. Well, I'll say this, and I I kind of opened up the show, the Nitro, talking about. Liz looking good or whatever, and I was like, I'm not a pervert or whatever, but that chick that is now fucking uh, L.A. Knight's quote-unquote sister, like, good lord, where'd she come from? God damn. <laughs> after, after Maxine Knight or whatever? Oh, fucking yeah. Maxine Dupree or whatever? Whew. Anyway, um, we get Reggie White's stupid promo after the match, or after his run-in. And then we're going to roll into the um, 1 800 Collect Road Report from Lee Marshall. Are you guys ready for this audio?
3: Yeah, let's hear Archie
0: Mitchell speak.
4: Uh, Tony, you know I wish I could join you guys in Baltimore, but as you said, I'm enjoying a party, a Nitro party in one of the most scenic, beautiful, and just breathtaking parts of the country. The fans here in Asheville are not holding their breath and getting tickets for next Monday's Nitro. It comes from the Asheville Civic Center, and fans do not wait any longer. Call the box office first thing tomorrow morning. Now, guys, when you get to Asheville, Make sure you drive along the Blue Ridge Parkway. That's considered the most scenic roadway in all of America. And then visit the Biltmore Estate. You guys know that Asheville's Biltmore Estate has 250 rooms. It sits on 8,000 acres. It's the largest home in America. But before you just drop in, you need to know they're pretty strict, at that Biltmore Estate, because the first thing you're going to see is, is a huge sign, the one that says no shoes, no shirt, no weasels. That's your 1-800-COLLECT road report from Asheville, North Carolina. I'm Lee Marshall for 1-800-COLLECT. the people don't know is Lee Marshall's also sitting on 8,000 acres. Do you owe him money or something? He's
3: always on you. I'm glad you tied that part because that was epically <laughs> hilarious to me. Do you
0: owe him money or something? He's always on it's you. Not, it's not what Marshall says. It's what says <laughs> after Marshall speaks.
1: Right, it's when Zabisco puts that shit over. Well, people, and Bobby's great, too. He's sitting on 8,000. He's also sitting on 8,000 acres. Essentially (laughs) saying that Lee Marshall has a huge ass.
0: (laughs) Good shit, pal. It's good shit, pal. Zabisco being like, do you owe him money or something? (laughs) He's always on you. Yeah, It's like watching these hour nitros, I wish that Bobby and Zabisco... We're together more. But um, the music you heard going in in that was Scotty Riggs who's still coming out to the American Males music and doing the little clap gimmick. Um, he is going into his one-on-one match with Wrath. it um, confused uh, the shit out of me though because I thought it was Mortis at first. Yeah. But it, it, it's it's not good because I'm not a I'm not a Brian Clark fan. If people are, that's cool, but I never really any incarnation of Brian Clark. I wanted nothing to do with um, Glacier. He comes out and stared at them from the stage. Um, and Wrath ends up um winning that match with um. Was his the, high, the
3: higher elevation rock
0: bottom. Yeah, they, they
3: <laughs> that's what the... I it. Like essentially, that's what his finisher is: is the rock yeah. bottom from a higher elevation.
0: But they're calling it the death penalty. It's lame. Um. So then the next match is Conan and Hugh Morris versus Ice Train and Alex Wright, accompanied to the ring by Teddy Long. Um, the Dungeon of Doom end up starting the match with a quick attack, and Alex Wright runs away because he's getting over his heel gimmick. Um, but then they go to commercial, and Alex Wright ends up coming back to the ring, and he is working as a cocky heel. And then once again, Alex Wright ends up deciding to leave, and, um, I didn't even write down the fucking finish. Sorry. Um, Hugh Morris and Conan ended up winning. I'm assuming fucking Hugh Morris ended up hitting a, a moonsault. Is that the finish?
3: It was the moonsault, and then Conan hit this Aquila sunrise and made yeah. a tap. Yeah, My it, thing with this whole thing, it was like, all right, you just had Glacier. You know, do that whole thing with Rat. That would have made more sense to put him with Ice Train, because at least the fucking gimmicks are somewhat, you know, parable. You got Alex White and Ice Train. Where on God's green earth is that fucking mace? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, Yeah, This thing, the, the this was rough, and um, I've talked about a few times that I actually and. Not foreshadowing anything, but it doesn't last much longer. But I actually enjoy um, Conan and Hugh Morris as a tag team.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean they were they weren't bad together.
0: Yeah, I, but I, like
3: I had two more bullet points on this fucking match that really like hurt the shit out of me. Like Alex Wright, he tags in from the wrong damn corner. And then you see Conan go to the opposite corner. So he it's like he forced him to go to that opposite corner because all right, well if he's gonna fuck up, I gotta cover this. And then the ref, he starts the five count, you know, when the when the other guy's in the ring, you're supposed to, you know, get out. He stops at four. Even despite the guy not being out of the fucking ring, he just stops at four. <laughs> like there's no realism of that cause like alright if I'll, I'll put it this way if I had a referee booked for my show and this happened when he got back to the back he would for one no longer be working my shows for two I would chew his ass so much it would look like Carlos Ghosn's forehead <laughs> <laughs>
1: It would be, it would literally be Carlos Colon.
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it's certain things you don't do, and to me, that's the biggest pet peeve. Like, you got to keep that aspect of it, because Conan wasn't getting out the fucking ring, despite the referee over there doing his five count. And in that sense, Conan should have at least stepped back through the ropes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. what. Like, you, get, you got to keep that, that whole aspect of the ref is in charge here.
0: Or if he's getting to the four and he doesn't want to do the five, he should at least have, like, inserted himself in it. You know what I mean? Right, right. But no, he just
3: sits there and watches what the hell is going on like a mark. So, like I said,
0: this was... This was terrible. This is the worst thing that I've seen this in this week of nineteen ninety seven. Was this fucking Conan Hugh Morris Ice Train Alex Wright match? It was fucking bad. And um, yeah, like in the, the decision, we making, said it... in, the
1: decision in the decision in the decision making process. If you have a if you have a one hour nitro, so you don't even have the time that you normally have. Why do you put this on the show?
3: Why is that your main event? Right. Right, like, like I said at the beginning of this, whenever we were talking about the Ultimo Dragon and Hubertube match, that was the best fucking match of the night. Like, it was wrestling sound, if, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it was legitimately, that was, to me, out of everything that happened on this whole entire show, that was my favorite thing. From a wrestling standpoint.
0: Yeah. So then the next thing we get is an actual wrestling angle. Um, The NWO members, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Six were lying when they said they were in in Charlotte because they're actually in Baltimore, and they mug Roddy Piper backstage and um, kick him in his artificial hip and run away. (laughs) So the NWO lied is saying they were out of town when they were actually there and they lay pipe around. And it was it was good in the aspect of like um Shivani was like there's something happening in the backstage area and the cameraman had to run to it. You know, as opposed to But when he
3: gets there he meets six dead in the face. (laughs) It was like it was no mistake who the hell did it. Because you are right there at his face, like you cannot cover up the fact that that was Sean fucking (laughs) Waltman.
0: Yeah, but what I like about it is that it wasn't like how it would be now, where there was just a camera there. I got what I mean. It was like, oh, we didn't know this was there's something happening. What's happening? We don't know what's happening, and you actually see a cameraman like running to to catch it, and it's like in a fucking locker room. It's just. It was a mugging. Gave that,
3: and, that inside access to the WCW backstage also.
0: Yeah. So I appreciated the realism, quote unquote, of it. Um, well, then Eric Bischoff now comes out. And
4: he should and have he's, going,
0: back. he's going to interview Sting. Yeah. Um, Because he says Sting wants to talk to him or whatever, and then um, he Bischoff says that he's a man of his word and introduces Sting, but it's an obviously bogus Sting. Um, The people knew it was a bogus Sting because they didn't
3: want to stay fake Sting. (laughs) Because that's what it's like when you say that like legit. When I see it, it's Best Mate Sting. <laughs> yeah, it
0: resonates with me. Yeah, it was one of those Stings with, like, a plastic mask on with, like, the, the fucking bowl cut wig or whatever. It's like, we know this isn't Sting. Um, Bischoff is talking to Sting, and he's saying, like, do you, will you admit that Hogan's better than you, da-da-da-da-da, and Bogus Sting is shaking his head yes, and just all this shit. Um. then real Sting ends up arriving to the arena and um, to the ring and he drops fake Sting and then Eric Bischoff runs away and that's how we end Nitro
3: like a straight pansy. <laughs> that's what he should have <laughs> yeah Um. what was that the scorpion death drop that he hit him with
4: yeah.
0: and Like, then, legit,
3: it was like a punch, and then goes straight into the Scorpion Death Drop. Boom! This I was like, oh, fuck, let me get the fuck out of here.
0: Yeah. This Nitro was pretty lackluster, in my opinion. And it feels to me that it was a show that they were... that Kevin Sullivan was basically... Peter and out going into this pay per view, in my opinion.
3: Legitimately,
0: if if you had to grade it on a
3: scale as if you were in school, I would have gave Raw an A minus, and I would have gave Nitro a D, not a D minus or a D plus, just a straight D, because that shit did not pass with me. Literally, it was all I could do to keep my eyes open during those 45 minutes.
0: Yeah, just, uh, this night show was rough, and I wasn't entertained by it at all. Other than fucking Zabisco and Bobby. I didn't really have anything yeah. that came out of it where I was like, oh, that was great. I just feel like well, this I mean, is... A-
3: it's, it's also like they treat you, because at the very beginning... You see that match between Hoot and Hoot and, Hoot and and uh, Ultimo and you're like, alright, well this might be worth the shit. But the rest of the show, it kind of like just trickled down. Like, it was a mudslide of shit.
0: Yeah. I just, like I said, I, I didn't enjoy it at all. And it was... I just think it was them running out of fucking ideas going into their pay-per-view. And... That's apparently how we're going to end my show on a sour note of how shitty that nitro was.
1: It's the nitro going through the motions. Yes. Yep. Bowel movements.
3: I've had bowel movements that were more exciting than that nitro. Okay.
0: <laughs> so, at the end of this show, we're going to go ahead and um, close it out. Um,
1: Nate, do you have anything you want to plug? No, I was just gonna say, like Mark said, it, it was you can you can obviously tell, and, and this this is the this is the story of '97 in that a lot of times you can see it in '97, and, and and it's been stated before, especially uh, I always think of McFoley '97. In '97, the WWF had a better product, WCW just had the momentum, so they kind of WCW is essentially running off. Of the of the steam of their their boom, but it's slowly going downhill. Um, I know business doesn't really drop off till '99, but you go through '97 and '98, WCW, and it's um, it's on the downward spiral.
3: Yeah, it's like how um, the fuck did they make it through this?
1: Yeah, and they made it through it by, by it's kind of like uh, the WWF in, in 91, 92. It's just that people recognize them as the the best promotion based on something they did two years ago or a year ago.
3: You know, WCW wow. is moving,
1: uh, uh, this might not be the best way
0: to phrase it, but WCW, like Bischoff and Sullivan, were in a status quo type mind. You know what I mean like they 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 got to here and they're like all right we're here status quo let's just keep going with it whereas the so we w- got
3: Hogan we got Flair right watch us
0: whereas the WWF was like okay we're getting momentum but they didn't go okay we got momentum now let's just let's just coast they were like we need more we need to
1: and that's because and that's because Vince McMahon was a genius
0: yes
3: and my whole thing with it is, I would have gave Raw an a plus if it hadn't been for that referee botch and the whole Scott putsky thing. That's just that's just, I, I legit would have gave it an A plus because Raw was actually compelling and they told stories and it and it made you want to watch. What what the hell's gonna happen next?
0: All right, guys. So unless you get then, anything else, I think it's gonna start raining here in a minute. I need to go inside.
3: But um, well, light, like, like, Well, I mean, like I said earlier, uh, this week's episode of March Marchindy Spotlight has the original Stone Cold Chad Austin. So tune in, listen to that. That's really good shit. Uh, we had a great conversation. Uh, if you're not listening to anything else on the WrestleNet radio podcast network. I really don't know what the hell you're doing with your life because we have everything from the current product to the days of old to what's happening with superstars, getting an inside look at the up and comers on the indie spotlight and yeah, like
1: listen to us. We got good shit. There's something for everyone on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. And um the coming up this week, it's not. It, we will be recording it uh, this week, and you will hear it by the end of the week. On reliving the extreme this week, we will be discussing November to Remember, nineteen ninety four, and we're going to do it live. Remember? Yep, and yes, and also the We Can't Wrestle podcast this week is a long ass episode. Uh, As we continue our journey through the Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500, it went longer than normal just because I wanted to get to the top 50 so that next week we can roll through the top 50 and be done with it. And then after that, on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, we will do the Hall of Shame and then Trivia. So two of our favorite things to do, the Hall of Shame and Trivia coming up on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. That and so much more. Aaron, I'll let you sign off. It's your show.
3: Can, can I drop a spoiler though? Yes, uh, for the Hall of Shame,
1: my first nominee
3: because I got other ones, but my first nominee is going to be Scott pusky
1: Well, you know, I'm you know, I'm I, I I gave a spoiler a couple of weeks ago on the show. One of my inductees is Billy Jack Haynes' wig. So, <laughs> well, I appreciate
0: that, guys. Um... Fixing it and forget it. Yeah. Um, we'll end the show saying I appreciate you guys and Archie being on the show, and I appreciate um, everybody that's listening to it. And like you guys said, we all, there, if you can't find a podcast that suits you on the WrestleNet or We Can't Wrestle podcast network, I don't know. What- <laughs> it's one of those,
3: two, damn it.
0: If you can't find a show on our network that you don't like or that speaks to you, then just, I don't know what to tell you, but I appreciate you guys listening to the show. I appreciate you guys contributing tonight and thank everybody for listening and goodbye.